Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. It is Politics Done Right. Welcome to Politics Done Right from the studios of KPFT 90.1 FM, Houston, your community radio station. We have a great program for you today. I've got a lot of outtakes for you today covering from uh, Bernie Sanders and Intel uh, to CRT, a, a whole lot of stuff to cover today. Great little outtakes. But, you know, for those of you who watched the hearing yesterday, uh, let me first tell you, I'm from Central America. I remember the days when you would hear people talk about banana republics and you would hear people talk about how can people allow these sort of terrorists to run your country? How can you allow people like that to run your country? And I watched yesterday Donald Trump in action. Donald Trump didn't look like Manuel Antonio Noriega, the dictator of Panama. Man, uh, Do, uh, Donald Trump didn't look like Baby Doc. He didn't look like one of uh, like uh, uh, Fer Ferdinand Marcos. He didn't look like any of these tin pan dictators that we see around the world. He actually looked worse. He actually looked smaller because while those other guys had intellect and understood what they were doing. He simply came across as a child with a tantrum with a nuclear bomb. In other words, you had to cater to a child who you knew had the potential to cause harm to many. Can those who support him, I don't even want to call those who support him Republicans because I know too many Republicans who are like, that guy? Are you kidding? But I also know some who are fairly intelligent, who simply accept what this guy has done, is saying. Can one believe that somehow they're losing something they never had that isn't true in the first place? Really allow themselves to be as delusional? Liz Cheney is pulling no punches. She's in a very tough race, but she's going after Donald Trump. And she's pretty much saying Donald Trump is not qualified to be president again. And based on what he did, he must not be president again. And she's going at it harder than anybody else. I want you to listen to this. Then let's take it on the other side. In our hearing tonight, you saw an American president faced with a stark and unmistakable choice between right and wrong. There was no ambiguity, no nuance. 
Donald Trump made a purposeful choice to violate his oath of office, to ignore the ongoing violence against law enforcement, to threaten our constitutional order. There is no way to excuse that behavior. It was indefensible. And every American must consider this. Can a president who is willing to make the choices Donald Trump made during the violence of January 6th ever be trusted with any position of authority in our great nation again? Liz Cheney couldn't be any clearer. Donald Trump cannot, must not be president of the United States again. Punto y final. Today, I watched and discussed a Senator Cornyn simply in a nonchalant manner said, we're not doing anything else about guns. Pretty much it's over. There's not bipartisan support to do anything else. What he means is that Republicans intend to do nothing else. So saying it's bipartisan that's stopping it, it's not the issue. It's that Republicans decided that they don't mind the killing of Americans with AR-15s and other assault wife rifles. As long as those kids and those folks who love their guns have, uh, have you to use as target practice, eh, no problem. We have a big population. We have 330 million people. We don't care if just a few of them get knocked off every every day. Actually, it's every day that it's occurring. Every day. We don't care. Guns, guns, guns. It's not a problem. I want you to listen to this. But, you know, as I was watching this, I said to myself, I wonder if the news media is going to just listen to Cornyn and take it as a matter of fact and not you know, put any kind of narrative onto it. And you know who surprised me? You know who impressed me? Mika Brzezinski of Morning Joe, because her response was perfectly on. Check this out, and then we'll take it on the other side. No, we're done. No more action. No. Um, it's, it seemed to me to be yesterday the president talked about everything that they wanted but they didn't get in the bill. Um, and uh, But the sort of things he was uh, calling for don't have support um, in, the, in the Senate or in the Congress on a bipartisan basis. In other words, they can't get, they can't get done. Senator Cornyn's comments there follow President Biden's renewed call for a ban on semi-automatic rifles like the AR-15 after the July 4th mass shooting in Highland Park, Illinois. Senator Cornyn also said he had not received any contact from Democratic senators to begin a new round of talks on gun legislation, Mika. Senator Cornyn, we're done. I mean, who, who are these Republicans? Who are you people? You don't want to ban on assault weapons. You wonder why the police are afraid to go into a school with an active shooter who has weapons of war. There's a reason they hesitated. It may not have been right, but my God, police are now outgunned. So you don't want to ban an assault weapons. You don't want more restrictions on, on these weapons of war. You want women who are raped, young girls who are raped to be forced to have births. I mean, this is what the Republican Party is at this point. And forget the fact that you will not stand up about what happened on January 6th. This is impossible. This is a party that is taking on um, taking on cases that don't stand up to where we are as a country. It's so hard to hear. 
And, and here are these mass shootings, Senator Cornyn. They're coming to a state or a city near you. You know it. It's just like Trump. You know how it ends. And yet you still continue. Mika is absolutely right. You know, uh, it, it is interesting because early this morning when I saw the videos on, on CNN uh, uh, from the Austin American Statesman, I went ahead and I, I, I wrote a tweet and I want you to uh, check out what I wrote. I wrote on that tweet that said, and I placed the video on it as well that from, from that program. NRA said it takes a good guy with a gun to take out the bad guy with a gun. Tens of police, the good guys with guns, ran from one bad guy with an AR-15. Perfect reason to ban AR-15 and assault guns, assault rifles, weapons of war. Won't you say? I mean, who are these people, as Mika Brzezinski says? Who are the Republicans? Isn't this the party that likes to name itself pro-life, yet the things that it, the policies that it puts forth many a times is pro-death. We love to glorify the police. The police is going to be there to solve your problems. You know, you get a person of color on the street that gets stopped for a ticket. We don't know. Uh, the police is usually very trigger happy with a group, a particular group of folk. They are always trigger happy. You don't have a gun in the car, you, you run the risk of losing your life for talking a bit too harshly to a police officer. Uh, you, 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 you change lanes too fast, they look into the mirror, they see what you look like, you're stopped. Your life is at risk. But you know, these brave souls that are always ready to pop a cap in some of us seem to not be all that, right? Seem to not be all that when it really, really counts. So you wonder, you wonder often, why is it that what the NRA talks about all the time isn't being realized? Because we have to ask ourselves a very, very basic question, people. Isn't a good guy, isn't the only thing to stop a bad guy with a gun, a good guy with a gun. But then, if you have 10 or more good guys with guns, one would think that bad guy with a gun wouldn't stand a chance. I want you to see this. They failed to act, period. If you remember initially, Jose, at the beginning of this, we were told there was no shields. But clearly there were shields within a matter of minutes. We saw them go in with body armor. And I can't excuse this away. I can't make this not what it clearly appears to all of us on this video. And mm -hmm. I just feel for those families who now look at their local law enforcement those that were on that scene who represented a number of different agencies, how painful it is for those families. But here again, what's very important to me is for the public to understand yeah. that this training still goes on. And there are a thousand men and women in your respective communities who will respond and will take whatever action they have to take under these type of circumstances. And I don't want this in any kind of way to shadow or paint a reflection of all law enforcement because that is not the case. 
Well, I, I must say, the reality for many with many in law enforcement actually makes this no surprise. Again, the unarmed, certain people, they have never a time that they fear shooting them. 90 times with 60 shots, with 60 bullets that hit was that, that kid who got killed recently. This is one guy with an AR-15. You know, I wrote on my Twitter today, and I'll post it here with, with this video. I actually did it with this video. I said, NRA said it takes a good guy with a gun to take out the bad guy with a gun. Tens of police, the good guys with the guns, presumably, ran from one bad guy with an AR-15. Perfect reason to ban the AR-15 and assault guns. But I want to take it further. It's a perfect reason to take the mystique off of law enforcement as if they can do no wrong. They're good police officers, and there's a lot of bad police officers. And there are a lot of supposedly good police officers watching the bad police officers operate. They are just as bad. Look, folks, um, we need a revamp of our entire uh, police system, our entire law enforcement system so that it's equitable, so that it's performative, so that what we saw in Uvalde, what we saw when the they shoot 90 times at one suspect who committed a, a traffic crime, we need some changes. I do believe Republicans like Kinsinger and Liz Cheney are above and beyond their conservative values. I do believe they're patriots. Because uh, when it came to the attempt to overthrow the country, when it came to a coup, they said, that's enough. I, my conservatism doesn't go this far. But we are now watching the media and others glorify the vice president for doing his job, even though he first attempted not to. Is there any way that we can stay in power? Is there any way Trump could stay in power? He actually asked the former vice president that question. And he's a hero because he did the right thing. And we have all of these guys who are now forced into testifying. And because they're simply telling the truth, nothing more, just telling the truth, they're heroes. Ari Melberg gets it best. I want you to listen to Ari. Then we'll take it on the other side because it's not, it doesn't compute. Some Beltway elites have begun just heaping all kinds of praise on Trump officials for the bare minimum, like testifying at all, which is literally required under these subpoenas by law, or for people who simply did not commit crimes to stage a coup. I can't tell you how grateful I was that Mike Pence was there. It, it could have been someone else. It could have been someone who would have succumbed to MAGA and Trump, but he didn't. There may be a hero in the story that they're telling, and it sounds like it might be Mike Pence. There were heroes, literally, in the story. The police officers, brave public servants, people who took actual risks at the time to try to stop what was the most organized violent attempt to thwart the peaceful transfer of power in 
U.S. history. But that does not apply to virtually all of the people we've been hearing from in these hearings. And the Trump aides have been providing testimony under subpoena. So they had to choose between following the law or facing the risk of prison. Even those who shared concerns did not blow the whistle at the time or resign. As for Pence, he did the bare minimum. He followed the law rather than join a criminal coup, taking an act his own lawyers warned was illegal, meaning, and this is important, he acted on his own self-interest. And yet, the latest Trump appointee to finally offer this tardy testimony under legal pressure, the man you see here, White House counsel Cipollone, went on yesterday to make a frankly embarrassing claim for any rational lawyer. He said that the act of not committing crimes is ground, in his view, grounds for receiving the nation's highest civilian honor. I think the vice president did the right thing. I think he did the courageous thing. I have a great deal of respect for Vice President Pence. I think he did a great service to this country. And I think I, I suggested to somebody that he should be given the presidential medal of freedom for his actions. Come on. I guess I'll just take it apart real quick. By that standard, hundreds of millions of Americans would warrant the same medal because they did not join this criminal coup. Pence did what was required by law, and he did so after double checking whether there was any legal cover for maybe trying something else, which is why we had to hear from all his lawyers, because they spent a lot of time exploring this. So at this moment, when so much seems upside down, it is worth realizing that all of this beltway canonizing of people who did the bare minimum is backwards. And it can be dangerous in the way that it normalizes the idea that these are choices to make or tough calls. You are not a hero for declining to join a coup and then wavering and ducking about the details and your own political loyalties to the person who staged the coup while withholding information and testimony. Now, since Mr. Cipollone brought up the idea of that medal, here are some people who were actually awarded the Medal of Freedom by presidents in both parties, by the way, like people we should look to as doing more than the bare minimum of not committing crimes, but people who showed civic courage like the late John Lewis. John R. Lewis has dedicated his life to shattering barriers and fighting injustice. I was hit in the head by a state trooper with a nightstick, and I had a concussion at the bridge. I thought I saw death. I thought I was going to die. Mr. Mandela, a man who embodies the hopes of millions. Mr. Mandela, you said many years ago, before the first of your 10,000 days in prison, that there is no easy walk to freedom. Mother Teresa is a heroine of our times. The work is only a means to put our love for Christ into action, to work for the poorest of the poor. We add with deep affection and endless respect the Presidential Medal of Freedom. That is what Medal of Freedom recipients look like and act like and what they evince. So to Trump's White House counsel, tonight I say this, to paraphrase 3-6 Mafia, keep the Medal of Freedom out your mouth until you learn a bit more about what true civic courage entails, which apparently serving as a loyal Trump aide to the bitter end did not do for you, Mr. Cipollone. You were late. You were not on the job. And now, having been pressured into testifying under the threat of jail because they subpoenaed you, you don't get to lecture the nation about who gets the Medal of Freedom. And you're out of power. So thank goodness for that. Thank goodness for that. Could not have been said any better. Again, folks, let's not glorify those who are just doing the right thing after having been forced to do the right thing or embarrassed into doing the right thing. These guys are no heroes. All they're doing is covering their you-know-what.
Sometimes it takes a comedian to really get it out of people to see exactly where they are. Why are people so scared about CRT? Is it really critical race theory that they're scared about? Absolutely not. You know what they're scared about? They are scared about hearing the truth about history and having that placed in their face as if they're responsible. I mean, the responsible thing. Well, let's talk about that later. Let's see what W. Kamau Bell did. And then we'll take it on the other side. This is beautiful. Should we teach kids a more accurate history of America? Race uh, theory? What'd you say? Uh, Here we go. Race theory. Race theory. The race? Yeah, critical race theory. What are your thoughts on that? You can teach it without having an opinion. But is it okay if a teacher says, I think slavery was bad? Is that okay? No. 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 I'm, <laughs> no. no what about no. this? They go, Nazis not good. Nothing is bad. Nothing's bad. No. And if the latter is how you heard about it first, then I'm not surprised you're confused, which is why I grind my teeth when I sleep. It's totally manipulation and manufacturing a crisis. Who's manufacturing it? The Democrats. It's always a race card. I get so sick of it. <laughs> we need to teach children to compete when the Chinese probably know more about American history than we do. So we should teach better American history here. Well, yeah. It's like uh, the history of America. History of America. Slavery, genocide, Native Americans. No, well, no. Not that stuff? Well, not the whole thing. No. No. Not the whole thing. Look. The American genocide is instrumental in understanding this country. Slavery is instrumental in understanding this country. It's not about good or bad of America. It's about what is and how we came to be where we are. We became a very rich country on the backs of having slaves. We acquired a ton of land by in genocide in genocidal means. Look, it's not America, the only folks that have done things like that. This stuff has occurred all over the world. But if we're going to understand our history, let's understand our history and let's understand how we are and have been atoning for said history. It's not about being ashamed of something. It's about just telling history. And as this woman said, just we need uh, the Chinese know more about our history than we do. Yes, they do. When I was in Panama, I learned more American history than I learned in the University of Texas and Blinn combined. Most people from around the world know more about America because of people scared of teaching America to Americans. And you know what? We shouldn't be. We should be happy to tell our story, tell the mistakes that we've made, talk about the atrocities we've done, Talk about the good things we've done, but let's talk about the country's history. You are very much respected when you then try to promote stuff overseas. But when we are overseas trying to promote a democracy is the way the world should work. And we are fighting here to not even give reparations to those who work for free and built this country on their backs, the wealth of the Many of the, the rich families were on the back of these people. The insurance payments that were made on what used to be property enriched a lot. These are things Americans don't know. Did you know the insurance industry used to insure property, human beings, black human beings as property, and made a killing of doing that from all the slave owners who wanted their properties insured? 
universities. All, why can't we tell the history the way it is? It's not about feeling bad for yourself. It's history. And if we are hearing just the good things, it is not history. It doesn't tell how we got where we are because even the bad things allowed us to be as a country where we are today. Martha Reddit always seemed to appease those who have that sort of a conservative lean, the one that sort of affect people but nobody wants to talk about. Well, watch how Bernie Sanders interrupts her to set the record straight, not to use the fallacies that are out there about, oh, Joe Manchin just went ahead and stick, uh, you know, put brought it to a halt. This was orchestrated. And what I love that Bernie Sanders did, Senator Bernie Sanders, is he made it very clear, very early. This was no stunt. This has been going along all the while. And those on the progressive sides have been trying to point this out for some time. Check this out. We'll take it on the other side. Senator, I, I, I want to turn to, to Congress and the and the agenda there. Senator Joe Manchin, of course, abruptly pulled the plug this week on the Democrats. No, Martha, he didn't abruptly. Pass. Martha, oh, oh, Martha okay, let, 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 okay. he abruptly on Friday. He didn't abruptly did do anything. He was he sabotaged the president's agenda. No. Uh, look, if you check the record six months ago, I made it clear that you have people like Manchin, Cinema to a lesser degree, who are intentionally sabotaging the president's agenda, what the American people want, what a majority of us in the Democratic caucus want. Nothing new about this. And the problem was that we continue to talk to Manchin like he was serious. He was not. This is a guy who is a major recipient of fossil fuel money, a guy who has received campaign contributions from 25 Republican billionaires. Do you think okay, this guy is serious? Senator, I want, I, okay, you say he wasn't serious, but Manchin says his main goal is to do what's good for West Virginia, and he's worried about inflation. Listen to what he told really, the West Virginia really? radio station. Listen to this, please. Inflation is absolutely killing many, many people. They can't buy gasoline. They have a hard time buying groceries. Everything they buy and consume for their daily lives is a hardship to them. Your reaction to that, Senator? Well, look, the same nonsense the mansion has been talking about for a year. West Virginia is a beautiful state. And I've had the pleasure of being there. Great people. It is one of the poorest states in this country. You ask the people of West Virginia whether they want to expand Medicare to cover dental, hearing, and eyeglasses. You ask the people of West Virginia whether we should demand that the wealthiest people and large corporations start paying their fair share of taxes. Ask the people of West Virginia whether or not all people should have health care as a human right like in every other country on earth. That's what they will say. In my humble opinion, you know, Manchin represents the very wealthiest people in this country, not working families in West Virginia or America. He has that absolutely right. Manchin cares about nobody but himself. Manchin cares about nobody but maximizing profits for himself as a pawn of the plutocracy, as a pawn to the oligarchy, as a pawn to the oil companies, as a pawn to all these guys. So anybody trying to give, uh, be serious about Manchin like he cares about inflation, if he cared about inflation and how it is affecting the citizens of specifically West Virginia, he would pass the policies inside a bill of what was Build Back Better. He would give them family care. He would give them health care. He would give them 
clean up the environment that's killing his own people as they destroy those mountains and throw the coal down the, the, the valleys and throw the arsenic down. All those things affect West Virginians more so than any other state. So he is screwing his own. I tell you what I would wish, what I hope. I hope that the Democrats go ahead and put a whole lot of barrage because people say, well, they keep electing the same guy because nobody is telling them the truth. Go out there and show them, not just talk to them, show them the pollution at the side of the hills, show them the pollutions in the creek, show them that they could get dental care if their, if their senator would support it. Show them that they could get better health care. They are the poorest people in this country. Show them what real Democrats, what real progressive Democrats will be there to provide for them, to allow them to have access to success, access to work, access to all the things that would make their lives better. Manchin is no Democrat. Manchin is no Republican. Mansion is mansion for mansion. Please get one of my several books out there. As I see it, Class Warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom for a contribution of $120. It's worth it how to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors for a contribution of $120. How to make America utopia, take away the economy from those who rigged it for a pledge of $120. Get any two of those books for $200, any three of those books for $250. The contributions from my books go directly to support our station, KPFT 90.1 FM. Alternatively, folks, please get your basic KPFT-only membership for $40, a Pacifica-only membership for $25, or choose from one of our many other gifts for your contribution. Just go to kpft.org. Choose Politics Done Right for the program and select an option either for our books or something else to support the station. It is definitely worth it. You can listen and or watch Politics Done Right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash politics done right or on YouTube Live at politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. Please do not forget to follow me on Twitter for updates. My Twitter handle is at Egberto Willis, at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. But don't you forget, listen to us live on air at KPFT 90.1 FM on Thursdays at noon and at Fridays at 11 a.m. all central time. When you hear the things that comes out of our friends like Lynn Halsey-Taylor, Sister Jan, they are parrots of the right intent on getting you disillusioned. We invite them in because as we plant seeds, even some of them may realize, oh my God, I'm screwing myself. That is my expectation. That is my hope. That's why I open these doors to absolutely everybody. Everybody because I love everybody, but not only that. The only way we're going to move forward as a country is if together we actually beat the plutocracy. You see, the plutocracy is the ones that are keeping us fighting each other, the corporatocracy. They need us fighting against each other because, brothers and sisters, what you see out there is if we ever get together, we're going to say, 
How do we accept them making us indentured servants? How do we accept allowing them to make us antiseptic slaves? How do we allow them to take reap the profits from all of our work? They raise the prices of gas, presumably because there is a shortage. There ain't no shortage. And that's why they're running themselves all the way to the banquets, stock buybacks. And these executives are getting big picture. I have a friend who works as a, an executive in the oil company. And uh, she, you know, she got kind of upset at me because I said, you see that big, humongous bonus that you're going to get? When you get that big bonus, remember that mother, that daughter, that daughter, that father that, is, that has to go to work and has to pay $5 a gallon for gas, money that they don't have. And where is that money? You see that bonus that you can buy that mink coat with? You see that bonus that can take you to Europe? You see that bonus that can do all those things? That's her money. That is the money that you are taking from her that you didn't have to. You're taking it just because you could. Just because you could. If I could get the Lynn Halsey Taylors of the world, the Sister Jans of the world, the Eric Hayes of the world, to understand the pilfering that occurs by these corporations. And you just take it. You take it. They, they affect your personal economy and you take it. It's great that we have people that are out there ready to make that change. I just saw something from my good friend, John Garcia. And I want you guys to notice something, right? I, I believe in free enterprise. I want the pizza shop, the grocery store, all these things to be privately owned, if that's the case, right? You can sell, you can charge prices based on competition, etc. I believe in that. I believe that profit margin for that person who works hard. I, I believe in all of that. But I also believe that we can't have a certain sector of this economy that can do what the oil companies are doing and some parts of the food companies are doing. They are simply raising prices because they can and they know that we got some extra cash from the government during the pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. So they can because they know people have the money. So instead of these people being able to save the extra or get something better with the extra, these people are just taking their money away. To my good friend, John Garcia, he's from Venezuela. And I hope you guys realize that we are able to have conversations, complete disagreement. Eventually, I think John is going to agree with me someday. But, you know, we can disagree and keep talking about it until we can actually say, well, I see what you're saying. Well, John Garcia says something that is important, very important, because it shows that he listened to what I said. And I want to address what John Garcia said. That's, that's my buddy. This is what he said. All right. Uh, uh, he said, that is what uh, he said, energy, food, communications, nationalization. Call those strategic goods and services. That's exactly what Chavez did. The results are evident. Let me tell you what happened. Okay. There are two things that happened. And what happened is you have to look at this through none. Uh, non-American eyes because what America does, right? Uh, Venezuela is a very rich country. They are full of oil and they have a lot of gold and other minerals. So they, there's a rich country, but the people are very poor. And the reason why are the, the, the people in Venezuela who runs everything and brother Garcia, you know, he's a good guy. I know him personally. He's a good guy. 
But there are certain things that I don't think my brother sees because he is, he was of the class that had, right? What very few people see is that America has had its tentacles in Venezuela and corporations were taking the lead of America. Let me give an example. If we nationalize certain food industries, right? The ones that are critical, as, as, as John Garcia perfectly says, and the oil sector and these other sectors, what you start to get from the private sector, as opposed to saying, let's see how we can reconfigure ourselves into a bifurcated economy, something that we need to do in the United States as well. How can we reconfigure ourselves into a bifurcated economy so that those items that people need that don't need to be profit-based, gasoline and all of that, because we all need it, and then we have the rest of the economy that is laissez-faire, right? If I want to sell motorbikes, I sell it. I do what I need to do, and, I, and it's profit-based, competition-based. That would be fine. But that's not what happened in Venezuela. We got the full-on sabotage, not only by the United States against Venezuela, but by the, the corporate elite in Venezuela who created shortages, right? Okay, government, you want to take care of these criticals? Good. We're going to stop being efficient. We're going to stop doing X, Y, and Z. So they created a shortage. It's just like what we do in America, right? What did they do in order to try to justify high prices? They shut down refineries at all the wrong time. It's, it's all what the private sector does to maximize their monies. There are answers. We just don't follow them. I, I saw some comments that, uh, let's see, the one that stands out, I think it's still Garcia. Because Garcia says that, you know, that the, the plutocracy is now controlled by those guys who own the companies, meaning the socialists who own the companies, et cetera, et cetera. And I always ask the same question, right? The, for for a, a economic system that is, that is uh, predicated on ripping people off to succeed, it has to find a negative in any other type of system, whatever you call it, whether you call it socialist, bifurcated, I call mine a bifurcated economy, right? You have to find a reason. But I ask you a simple question. What makes you believe that a, a company run by government executives has any less of waste or efficiencies than one run by corporate you know, private corporate guys. There's only one difference. There is another layer of taking, right? In other words, shareholders have to get paid, profits have to be made, executives get their, their bonuses. If you run by the government, you may have bonuses, etc. But you don't have this stuff called stocks, which have to pay to dividends and whatever, to these shareholders. So even if you are a tad bit more inefficient than the private sector, you're ahead. But you generally are not because, again, the private sector have this semblance of efficiency. But it's not true. If you take a look at every time we have a pri the private sector take over pri pro public transportation, it costs more. Medicare run by private corporations called Medicare Advantage, it costs 
20% more. I mean, every time we can do a direct comparison between a service government provides and a service that governments relegates to the private sector to provide, it always turns out that government is less expensive than and more efficient than the private sector. And that goes without saying, if you have to pay a dividend, if you have to pay all these things, that, that profit then becomes an expense to the system. It's a lie that we have been indoctrinated with that we have to get out of our system. Every country in Europe that has tried privatizing the rails or the buses or whatever, they ended up paying more, getting less. Because remember, corporations are there to maximize the profit of the shareholders while when run by government. There's one exception to the rule. And let me give you that exception. If I only have part-time services that I need, let me give an example. Let's say in the Northeast where we have to um, clean the roads of ice, right? We're cleaning the roads of ice. It doesn't make sense for us to populate all ourselves with all these trucks and all of that. When you have individuals that can, for the winter season, private companies go ahead and they clean up the streets. Individual private companies clean up the streets. And then in the summer when we don't need them, they go do something else for somebody else. That is more efficient in the long run for the, the, for the government to use the private sector to do that. But when it comes to things like healthcare, gasoline and all of that, it will always cost more to have the private sector do it. Bernie went on the floor of the Senate and he let the chip companies have it. I mean, these are guys that make billions and billions of dollars. They ship our jobs overseas. They go ahead and take all our intellect that was created by universities and other public entities, package it up, and just a few make a big profit off of it. And, and then they come begging for money. Oh, you want us to come back and build in the United States? Help, help us build. Really? I recently came across a very, very interesting interview that the CEO of Intel, Mr. Pat Gelsinger, did last Friday on CNBC's Squawk Box. And I think that interview that he did tells us everything that we want to know about the American oligarchy, about corporate arrogance and the state of American politics. And this is what Mr. Gelsinger said last Friday, and I quote, Mr. Gelsinger, head of Intel, quote, my message to congressional leaders is, hey, if I'm not done with the job, I don't get to go home. Neither should you. Do, he's talking to Congress. Do not go home for August recess until you are passed the CHIPS Act, because I and others in the industry will make investment decisions. And do you want those investments in the U.S., or are we simply not competitive enough to do them here, and we need to go to Europe or Asia for those? Get the job done. Do not go home for August recess without getting these bills passed. End of quote. That's uh, Pat Gelsinger, head of Intel, uh, last Friday. 
In other words, Mr. President, the CEO of a major corporation, which made nearly $20 billion in profits last year, and a CEO who received a $179 million compensation package, is saying to Congress that if you don't give my industry, the microchip industry, $76 billion, and my company, it is estimated, some 20 or 30 billion dollars that despite their profound love for our country and their respect for American workers and their understanding of the needs of the U.S. military and the healthcare industry, despite all of that, in order to make more profits, they are prepared to go to Europe and Asia. Now, Mr. President, I am thankfully not a lawyer, but that sure sounds like extortion to me. What Mr. Gelsinger is saying is that if you don't give the industry a blank check, here's $76 billion, and they want more, by the way, despite the needs of the military for advanced microchips, and we hear that from the military, despite the needs of the medical industry for advanced microchips, Despite the entire needs of the American economy for advanced microchips, the industry is threatening to abandon this country and move abroad. Patriotic people, no doubt. Clearly lovers of America. Mr. Gelsinger says we should stay in session, if necessary, through August in order to pass his legislation. Well, I think we might want to stay in session through August, but not necessarily to pass his legislation. Over the last 20 years, the microchip industry has shut down over 780 manufacturing plants in the United States and eliminated 150,000 American jobs while moving most of its production overseas. And they did that, by the way, after receiving $9.5 billion in government subsidies and loans. In other words, we have the absurd situation where we have a crisis that is caused precisely by the people we are now attempting to bail out. So as a reward for their bad behavior, for shutting down 700 and 80 manufacturing establishments in America, they come back and say, oh, we have a crisis in America. We need your help. So they want us to pay to undo the damage they caused. Well, that may make sense to someone, uh, but not to me. In total, Mr. President, it has been estimated that five major semiconductor companies will receive the lion's share of this technology handout. Those companies are Intel, Texas Instruments, Micron Technology, Global Foundries, and Samsung. These five companies made 70, 70 billion dollars in profit last year. The company that will likely benefit the most from this taxpayer assistance is Mr. Gelsinger's company, Intel. Now, I have nothing against Intel, and I wish them the best. 
But Intel is not a poor company. Last year, Intel made nearly $20 billion in profit. During the pandemic, Intel had enough money to spend $16.6 billion, not on research and development, not on building new plants, but on buying back its own stock to reward its executives and wealthy shareholders. Over the past 20 years, Intel has spent over $100 million on lobbying and campaign contributions. Say $100 million may seem like a lot of money, but if you're about to get $20 billion from the taxpayers of America, that is a very modest investment. And meanwhile, while they spent $100 million on lobbying and campaign contributions, they were shipping thousands of jobs to China and other low-income countries. Does this really sound like a company that needs a taxpayer handout? Another company that would receive taxpayer assistance under this legislation is Texas Instruments. Last year, Texas Instruments made $7.8 billion in profits. In 2020, the company spent $2.5 billion buying back its own stock. Meanwhile, uh, other companies that will receive taxpayer support are the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, And uh, by the way, you would be shocked to know that the largest shareholder of the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company is, well, you guess it's the government of Taiwan. And um, so we'd be giving money, I guess, directly to the government of Taiwan. And on and on it goes. Mr. President, I should be clear in stating that I do believe in industrial policy. I think that at times it is absolutely appropriate for the government to sit down with the private sector and say, look, we have needs and we want to work with you to solve those needs. You have a right to make a fair profit. We have a need, the right to see the needs of the American people addressed. We need a partnership. To me, industrial policy means cooperation between the government and the private sector, cooperation. It does not mean the government providing massive amounts of corporate welfare to profitable corporations without getting anything in return. So the question is, will the United States government develop an industrial policy that benefits all of our society, or will we continue to have an industrial policy that benefits the wealthy, the powerful, their lobbyists, and the campaign contributors? In 1968, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, and I quote, the problem is that we all too often have socialism for the rich and rugged free enterprise capitalism for the poor, end of quote. I'm afraid that what Dr. King said 54 years ago was accurate back then, and it is even more accurate today. So, Mr. President, the Senate has an important decision to make, and that is, do we simply provide a blank check, or do we put some restrictions on that money? And that is why I will be offering an amendment uh, which does that. It seems to me that if private companies are going to benefit from generous taxpayer subsidies, the financial gains made by these companies must be shared with the American people, not just wealthy shareholders. 
In other words, if microchip companies make a profit as a direct result of these federal grants, the taxpayers of this country have a right to get a reasonable return on that investment. Further, if microchip companies receive taxpayer assistance, they must agree that they will not buy back their own stock, outsource American jobs overseas, repeal existing collective bargaining agreements, and must remain neutral in any union organizing effort. This is not a radical idea. All of these conditions were imposed on companies that received (coughs) taxpayer assistance during the pandemic and passed the Senate through the CARES Act by a vote of 96-0. And that is why I will be filing an amendment to impose these conditions to this legislation. Now, I understand, Mr. President, that some language has been inserted into this bill that would prohibit microchip companies from using these grants to buy back their own stock. But let us be clear. This language is totally meaningless. Under this legislation, companies will still be able to use the enormous profits that they are making on stock buybacks. Bottom line, let us rebuild the U.S. microchip industry, but let us do it in a way that benefits all of our people, not just a handful of wealthy, profitable, and powerful corporations. Will Bernie talk about something or specified something that we talk about over and over and over ad nauseum here at Politics Done Right. And that is, you guys created the problem, and now when it's time to solve it, you come begging for the American people to solve it for you, and then you repeat over and over again. So we're not going to have that with the CHIPS Act. We're not going to have that with the semiconductor companies. If Bernie has his way, and those who support him have their way. In other words, all right, We'll give you the $76 billion, but you can't buy back stocks. And we don't mean you can't use any of the $76 billion to buy back stock. We mean you can't buy back stock because money is fungible. Also, you can't mess with unions if they're trying to unionize the company so that they can also take advantage of the spoils. And by the way, you can't ship those jobs overseas created with our money at all. It's the people's money. They deserve the jobs here. And the the return on that investment that we are giving you, it comes, some of that comes right back into the coffers of the United States. You know what, folks? We should have, every time the government gives subsidies to private companies, they should give subsidies as a percentage of the share value so that the government can make a profit on all the monies they give to these thieving corporations because they take our money and then they decide we'll fire them. Always ask a capitalist this, how comes when the government invests in your company, they get no return. If a bank invests in your company, they get interest. If a venture capitalist company invests in your company, they get stock options. Why is it that the government who's investing in your company doesn't get the same as well? Folks, we have to, we have to wake up to the fraud. We have to wake up to the fraud that is our economic system and how it is in bed. It's conniving. It is in a corrupted way acting with our own government and we need to take government and make sure to do that what is that which is right please get one of my several books out there as i see it 
Class warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom for a contribution of $120. It's worth it. How to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors for a contribution of $120. How to make America utopia, take away the economy from those who rigged it for a pledge of $120. Get any two of those books for $200, any three of those books for $250. The contributions for my books go directly to support our station, KPFT 90.1 FM. Alternatively, folks, please get your basic KPFT-only membership for $40, a Pacifica-only membership for $25, or choose from one of our many other gifts for your contribution. Just go to kpft.org. Choose Politics Done Right for the program and select an option either for our books or something else to support the station. It is definitely worth it. You can listen and or watch Politics Done Right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash politics done right or on YouTube Live at politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. Please do not forget to follow me on Twitter for updates. My Twitter handle is at Egberto Willis, at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. But don't you forget, listen to us live on air at KPFT 90.1 FM on Thursdays at noon and at Fridays at 11 a.m. all Central Time. Please remember to keep your community radio station in your minds. Keep KPFT on your mind. Talk about it. Tell your friends about it. Tell them you know about this station in town, 90.1 FM Houston, that needs your support. That is there to provide that nourishment that we need. KPFT 90.1 FM Houston. Well, folks, that's it for today. You know how I'm going to end this baby. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage.